Well, guys, we're continuing a series today called The Blessed Life. And uh, I tell you, this is one of my favorite things to preach on because I really think it gets at the heart of who God has called us to be. Um, you know the old, uh, you know the scripture, John 3.16. You maybe heard this. You've seen it at a baseball game. It says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? You remember this? And, um, and, and I think the... The thing that sometimes we miss in that is we see the salvation piece of that, that, you know, that, that we can get in, we can join into a relationship with God. But, but sometimes I think we miss the key word there is that he gave. In other words, that God is a giver. Like from the very beginning, he modeled what that looks like. And, and I believe that he wants the church and he wants people within the church that make up the church to be the most generous people on the planet. And I'm not just talking about money, but I'm talking about in everything. Generous in our time, generous with our skills and our talents, generous, yes, with our money, but generous in all kinds of other ways as well. And so this entire series is talking about how when we take that posture in life, that it leads to blessing. It really does. It leads to this blessed life, this, this joyful life, this good, happy life. Now, that doesn't mean that everything's always going to be great. It just simply means that you can experience that in your day-to-day, even sometimes in the difficulty. And so I want to, uh, we're in the, let's see, it's the third week, third week of this series. And today uh, the message is entitled, What Test? Now I don't know if you've, uh, and with a question mark, I don't, I don't know if you ever had this experience where you walked into a schoolroom or, you know, you went into your classroom at school and, and uh, everybody was having a good time and, messing around and then the bell rings and the, you know and the teacher comes in and 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 all of a sudden they say to you okay everybody close your books pull out a piece of paper yeah get a pencil or a pen and and there's this part of you that thinks oh no i have a test today you ever had that happen you know let's so see you're like what test you get, get what I'm saying? It's like there's a party. He's like, I didn't know there was a test today. And so like today, if I said, hey, everybody pull out a piece of paper and we're going to take a test, you would be kind of like, well, this is no fun. Because most of the time, we don't particularly enjoy taking tests. Now, I know that there's probably some of you out there that just thrive on it. You know, you just love it, you know. And, and that's great. You're a little weird, but that's great. Um, but, but, but part of, I think, what the Bible teaches, and this is hard for us to get our mind around a lot of times is that that God actually tests us think about that now a lot of times we we have this conversation in relationship to temptation and testing in other words people are like okay well what does that mean well it's, it's not that God is tempting you God never tempts you that's the job of the enemy God is testing us not because he doesn't know what's inside us but it ultimately he's trying to help us see what we don't see Because, see, the test helps us to see what we don't see. He's revealing that to us so that we might be able to become the best that he wants us to be. Because if you don't know where you're at, it's hard to know where you're going. And so part of the reason God tests us is to help us see that, right? And then so, so it's important we understand that. And today I want to talk a little bit about that test. And I know that all of us have been tested before. Especially around the issue of generosity. We've all been tested in this area more than likely. And so if you have a job, okay, that means you've probably gotten a paycheck. You with me? So you've had a job, you get a paycheck. 
Now, uh, I don't know, and you may not even realize that in that moment, that's a test. That's a test. Like, you, you're like, no, it's, it's, a, it's a check. <laughs> it's a, it has money. It's a gift. But, but in the spiritual, it's a test. Now, now here's what, what I think is important for us to see is that God is just simply trying to show us something that's really important. He's not trying to make us feel bad. He's just trying to help us to see something. How many of us, and this is by show of hands. I only have one hand, so I can't raise the hand and hold the mic. So by show of hands, how many of you guys get paid uh, once a week? Anybody? Okay, so once a week. Anybody get paid every other week? Okay, first and 15th. Anybody there? Uh, monthly? Anybody get the monthly thing happening? Okay. So, 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 so you, you get it. And, and, and any of you don't get paid? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hand. Don't worry about it. So I'll pray for you to get a job in Jesus' name, right? So, so we know what that feels like to receive a check. But I don't think we often think about the fact that when we do, it's a test. That it's something that, that, that God is interested in. And the reason he's interested in it, he's wondering, is that when that check comes in, what are we going to do with it? In other words, uh, do we raise our hand and worship, right? And because when the check comes in, are we in the place where we want to say, whom am I going to thank for this? Yeah? Am I going to thank myself? Am I going to thank the boss or the company? Or am I going to thank God, who is the source of all things? Even your ability to earn money is a gift from God. It's a, he is the source. And when we get that check, it should be a reminder of that reality. And the goal is, in my opinion, the goal of the believer in Christ is to pass that test. Now, I'm going to talk about what it looks like to pass that test. And I just want to say, if you're a, uh, here today and you're not a believer in Christ, or maybe this is your first time, hey, I just want you to relax a little bit, all right? I, I, it's okay. You don't have to leave or never come back because I'm talking about this subject. I'm really not that bad, I promise. <laughs> but as your pastor, I fundamentally believe that this is at the very heart of who God is. And that when we get this right, it unlocks the power of God in every area of our life. And I'm going to explain that in a second, but, but I think it's important that you see this. And so if you are a believer, you need to turn, tune in real quick because this will help you, all right? And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But I think every time we get paid, uh, it's a test that we have to uh, either, either we choose to pass it or we choose to fail it. You know what I'm saying? Well, I want to, I want to start here in Malachi. Perhaps you've heard of the book of Malachi. Malachi is the, basically the last book in the Old Testament. And as you start the New Testament, it goes right into Matthew. So you, if you find Matthew, you can go to Malachi, okay? It's just right to the left. Take a left at Matthew and you'll find Malachi. All right, but in Malachi chapter 3 is where I want to start, okay? And uh, today I want to talk a little bit about passing that test and how we can do that because I believe that God wants us to. So starting in verse 6, listen, listen to this. This is... Very important that we see this. Watch this. For I am the Lord, and look at this, I do not change. Just let that sit on you for a second. It's important you understand that God does not change. So often, when we come to this subject even, there's confusion around it because we think, well, that's what they did in the Old Testament, and this is what we do in the 
New Testament. And if you don't know what the Old or the New Testament is, it's basically the Bible is, is, is divided into two sections uh, that's called the Old and the New. And so it's kind of the way that they set it up. But the New deals a lot with who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And the Old deals with God's redemptive story leading up to that as it relates to the people of Israel. And so, as you start here in Malachi, you see him very clearly make sure everybody understands that God is the Lord, right? He is the Lord, and he does not change. It's important that we see that. So the Lord doesn't change. Number, or, or Continuing in verse 1, it says, Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. So he's saying, because the Lord is who he is, you are being protected by him. However, that's where that, you know, something's coming, but he starts there. Then he says in verse 7, Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances. Make a note of ordinances. We're going to come back to that. You've gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them, is what he says. He says, Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. So who's speaking here? The Lord is speaking. So this is coming from God, all right? But you said, in what way shall we return? It's a great question. He says, will a man rob God? This is not good. Yet you have robbed me. He's getting, we're really getting to it, aren't we? I mean, this is, this is really getting to it. It's, it's crazy how the prophets do that. But he says, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? And he says, look at this, in the tithes and offerings, you've robbed me. That's tough, right? I mean, that's a tough sentence. Verse 9. You are cursed with a curse. Okay. Just so you know, this is not like witchcraft, all right? I'm going to get to that in a second. So the curse is not some like witchcraft kind of thing, you know, a spell that's been put on you. I'll talk about that in a second. So he says, you've been cursed with a curse for you have robbed me, even the whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now, says the Lord. Or in some translations it says, test me in this. Test me in this, which is the only place in the Bible that it actually says that phrase. Test me in this, says the Lord of hosts. If, if you will not, if you will, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you what? Such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. So in other words, as you do this, there will be a blessing that's poured out so much so that you can't even hold on to it, is what he's saying. Doesn't that sound good? That sounds good. Verse 11, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. So, so you get this, right? So God is not only going to bless you, he's going to protect your investments. He's going to protect you. He's going to do something that, that is really important that we all want. And so in verse 12, he says, In all nations, I like this, In all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. And so the Lord is speaking and saying, Hey, I, I, there's an issue here. And the issue is, is that you haven't kept the ordinances that I've asked you to keep. And as a result, the land, Israel, as a group, is experiencing this heavy curse that's on them. That's what, that's what he's saying. 
Now, again, this passage of Scripture is not just for Israel, it's for us too. It's something that we have to see, and it's important. So as we look at ordinance, I want to just define ordinance for you. Ordinance simply is a principle of ordinary behavior. Did you hear what I said? It wasn't extraordinary behavior. It was just a principle that was common. Let me say that again. It was a principle that was common. It was an ordinary behavior of people who were followers of God. Get that. So it's not like this super, man, I can't believe he asked us to do this. You get what I'm saying? It was an ordinary behavior. And so what happens is that ordinary behavior should lead us to a lifestyle of thanking God for everything that we have. That every time we get that check, we should be like, thank you, God, that we have that check. Not that we say, thank you, God, that I am so awesome and I earn lots of money because I am strong and skilled and sexy. (laughs) But God is wanting us to see that he's our source. He's the one that we need to count on. Because you know what happens if he's not... And if you haven't experienced it yet, you eventually will. And that is when the bottom falls out, when you lose the job, when you lose the favor, what happens to you? And I'm not just talking physically. I'm talking emotionally. I'm talking spiritually. What happens to you? Because see, when we're tethered to the shiny things... We're up and we're down, just like the stock market. But see, when our heart is tethered to the one that created all things, I don't have to ride that coaster anymore. You get it. It's important. And so, so, so we have to see that God is our source and we're drawn to this behavior because we know fundamentally that he is the source of our lives. And, 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 and here's it here. I'll make it. You're like, Pastor, this is really complicated, you know, right? I'm sure you're like, oh. I'll make it simple. If you tithe, the Bible says you're blessed. Okay, got that? If you tithe, you're blessed. If you don't tithe, you're cursed. You ready to go home? It's pretty simple. Now, we make it very complex. And sometimes when the check comes in, and maybe it's even a big check, we're like, ooh, right? Makes us shake a little bit. And so so it's so simple, and yet so often we are bound by these things of the world. And we live under this kind of curse. And now here's the thing, here's the thing. God is not cursing you. Get this. He's not cursing you. In other words, he's not the one doing it. And again, it's not like witchcraft. It's not a spell. We either choose to live under the curse that is in this world, we choose it, or we choose to reject that lie and live under the blessing of God. In other words, as long as Jesus hasn't come back yet, there will be an umbrella of curse that you can choose to live under. And what he's trying to get us to see is that when we choose to be non-givers, non-tithers, that we literally are placing ourselves under 
the curse. He's not doing it to you. And that's important because so often we think God is the one doing it. And what he's saying back to you is, no, no, no. Oh, little Padawan. (laughs) You are doing it to yourself. Yeah, that's what he's trying to get us to see. And And he's making it so simple. He's saying, if you do this, this, if you do that, that. Simple. And so what it is is that this tithe is so important that it unlocks the blessings of God in our life. Some of us are living without those in our life because we just simply won't take our kung fu grip off of the check. We just won't do it. And there's reasons for that. Maybe you don't know. And so today you're going to be enlightened in Jesus' name. But today it may be because you're in debt and you just don't know how you're going to get out of that situation. You get it? Sometimes we don't have margin in our life. And so the idea of being generous is so far away from us. But the one thing I know fundamentally is that the Bible teaches is that with whatever you have, you start there with that percentage that we're about to talk with. And what happens is God will unlock the blessings in your life. And I don't know if you believe that. You know, that's what I've found is like people will say they believe it, but they don't practice it enough. They, they don't believe it enough to practice it, if that makes sense. So, so, so it's so important that we see that God is not the one doing it, that the tithe is there to help us see that there is either a problem or not. The tithe breaks the curse. Isn't that good news? The tithe actually, it literally breaks the curse. And then here's the thing. The tithe just simply means a tenth. That's it. That's all it means. And now why the tithe and all that stuff? We'll talk about some of that. But I think God had a reason for the ten. Uh, and I'll tell you, he, 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 I think he made it per, uh, a percentage because it's an equalizer. In other words, it's a ten percent of whatever you make. So, you know, you have a dime, it's a penny. So regardless of what you make, it's, 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 a, it's an equalizer. It's a ten percent. I also think, I believe this, I also think that it hurts just enough. It hurts just enough to let go of it. Like if God said, hey, man, 2%, 2%. You'd be like, I got 2%. I dropped 2% on the ground yesterday. Yeah? Some of you, some of you. But I do think there's something about the number that God knew something. He had an insight to that. But I also think there's a biblical reason. And, 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 and so those are my speculations. But I think that there's a, a biblical reason as well. Uh, and, and I've already said this, is that the tithe is a test. It's a test. And so I want to go back here and look at Malachi 3.10. Look at this. He says, bring all the tithes in the storehouse that there, that there, look at this, that there may be food in my house. We need food in the house. And when he's saying the house, he's talking about the church. And so if we don't have food in the house, then people come and they don't get any Food! You guys, you guys are rocking today. You're all awake and doing a great job. Good job. I'll start, I'll answer myself, okay? I'll just answer. Is that okay? I don't want to make you guys do too much today. You know, I I apologize for encouraging you to participate a little. But he says, and and, and so he says, try me in this or test me in this, God says. If, if, If I will not open up the windows of heaven. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Like the windows of heaven, and, and like you see this, all these blessings coming out of the windows of heaven. Imagine that. 
and they're being deposited in your life at the point that they are overflowing. Who doesn't want that? I mean, so, so that's what the picture is. If we are faithful, that's the picture. Now, here's the thing that I know 100% is that 90% of our income, right? 90% blessed is always better than 100% cursed. It's going to go further, I promise you. It's going to do more, I promise you. But so often we think if we have the 100%, we're going to be better off. And the reality is, is the Bible says, no, you're going to live under a curse and not a blessing. Is this okay? Is this too hard for you today? Like, okay, I just I see some of your faces. Some of you are like, I'm not coming back to this place. I get it. That's fine. But I got to tell you what's here. I can't, I can't, I just got to show you what's here. And so, so it's important that we see that, that when things are tight, it's a test. When we go through hard times, it's an opportunity to understand in faith that God is our source. And the tithe helps us get to that place. See, pennies, right? Pennies. We don't think about pennies, but we think about hundreds. And, 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 and so often in our lives as we see the, the pennies and we're like, well, I can do pennies, but I, I, I don't know if I can do hundreds. And, and what the Bible says is that if you're faithful with little, God will give you much. And so often in our lives, we don't start practicing it when we're little. And so when we get big, so to speak, we don't have it as a habit in our life. And so when we go to give it, it hurts more. It hurts more. But see, in the Bible, it's important that you understand this, is that the testing kind of stuff really mattered to God. Matter of fact, the, the, the number 10 literally was a testing number. If you don't believe me, we'll look at the scriptures a little bit. And I'm gonna, we're going to have a little test today, okay? Is that okay? We're going to have a little test. You guys can help me out. But I think it's important you see this, that the number 10 in the Bible usually was associated with testing. All right? So here's the first question. We'll bring it up for you. So how many plagues were there in Egypt? Ten. You guys, good job. Some of you are like, I have no idea. <laughs> right? It's, it's totally cool. It's all right. We love you. And so, next one, next one. How many commandments are there? This is good. You guys are good. How about this one? How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Ten. Some of you are like, I didn't know that, but I just went with ten. Number three. Number three. Here we go. How many times were Jacob's wages changed? Ten. I feel like the voices are getting quieter as we go. So uh, that's, that means there's uncertainty. So how many days was David or Daniel tested? Uh, how many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? How many, how many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation? How many disciples were there? See, I messed you. I got you guys. I got you. So good. Some of you are like, 10, go with 10. Yeah, 10. <laughs> there were 12 disciples. Don't feel bad, but there, was, there were 12 disciples. So, but what's the point? Is that the number 10 in the Bible always seems to reference testing. And there's a reason God picked 10 in order for us to see that he's trying to help us. He's trying to make us better. He's giving us this test so that we can see our heart. Because see, he already sees your heart. 
He knows what's in your heart. It's hard for me to see what's in your heart. But the Bible says that God wants us to see it as well. And it's important because, see, here's the thing. When we do, when we understand the importance of tithe, it frees us. It frees us from this bondage, this curse that so often can get a hold of us. And so God wants us to get a hold of this so that we can move past it. Number two, tithing is biblical. I just kind of proved that, but I'm going to share it a little bit more. We're going to drill down even a little bit more. Uh, but what I found is that sometimes people have a misconception of tithing. They think that's an Old Testament thing and not a New Testament thing. And so, in other words, if I live under grace or under Christ, this is, doesn't apply to me. Well, see, here's the problem with that is that the Bible really doesn't say that. And so we have to kind of dig a little bit for us to understand what God is really trying to help us to see. Because, see... If you may or may not know this, but the tithe actually comes before the law. In other words, that happened before the law. And it happens after the law. And I'm going to show you in just a second what I'm talking about. But, but it's important you see this because God set it up as a principle. There's a principle of first that matters to God. And so just... Put that in your brain, principle of first, all right? The principle of the first. In other words, whatever is first is God's. Like that, that's part of what he's trying to get us to see. First is God's, okay? We'll, we'll get to that in just a second. But I think it's important you understand how the Bible has described this. And so I want to start here in Genesis 14, 18 through 20. There's this guy named Melchizedek. Isn't that a great name? I wish you would name your son that. Wouldn't that be great? Hang on, Melchizedek, come on. Am I the only one that goes fun? I, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you name your kid Melchizedek. I'm just, I will. I'll give it to you. Then Melchizedek's king of Salem, and this is in Genesis, okay? The king of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, uh, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And then watch this. And he gave him a tithe of all. So what's happening here? Abraham has given a tithe to this Melchizedek. Now some people have indicated that this Melchizedek is kind of like a, a representation of God, okay? And so there's this, this thing happening here and guess what? This is actually 500 years before the law was written. Okay, go all the way back to Cain and Abel. If you remember the story, remember? Remember Cain kills Abel? Remember that whole thing? Well, if you remember why... Uh, God accepted Abel's offering, but he rejected Cain's. But why? Because it wasn't first. It wasn't a first fruit offering. It was an afterthought. Get this. This is important. So first is important. And so be going all the way back, 500 years before it even showed up, it was already there. Before the law even came around. Listen to this in Genesis 28. So, so it says, And this stone which I have set... Which, which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. So this is important. So, so Jacob is doing this and he says, And all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. This is 400 years before the law. You getting me? You making sense? Yeah. So, so, so when we think about the old and the new, we have to understand that God has always been generous. He's always been the same God. I mean, we, we sometimes think that, 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 that God was... This in the Old Testament, and God is this in the New Testament. 
Hold the phone, people. Remember what I said at the beginning? God never changes. And so our perspective often is wrong or we don't have an understanding truly of what God is really and who he is and what he's about. If we literally think that God is mean in the Old Testament and nice in the New, we've got problems. Our theology hasn't developed enough to understand what's really happening. So it's important you see that because, see, that's not what God is saying at all. Because, see, the tithe predates the law. Leviticus 27.30. This is y'all's favorite book. I know, Leviticus. <laughs> Verse 30. And all the tithe, right? And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. Look at this. It is holy to the Lord. Did you see that? What does that mean? It's holy to the Lord. Well, holy just simply means set apart. It's set apart for the Lord. So when that check comes in, I set apart a piece of that for the Lord. Making sense? And so it's holy unto the Lord. It's important that we do that. Now, Deuteronomy 26, 1 through 2. See, remember I told you it was biblical. That's what I, so we're, we're, we're talking about that. I told you it was biblical. Deuteronomy 26, 1 through 2. And it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and you possess it and dwell in it. And so God is giving us this land. You possess it. You dwell in it. Verse 2. That you shall take some of the first. Hear that. Some of the first of all the produce of the ground which you shall bring from your land that the Lord has given you and put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God chose to make his name abide, which in this case for us is the church. God's name abides here. That's why the house of God is so important to this experience because I hear people say, well, I can give to this and give to that. Well, that's all well and good, but you got to start with the first. It's important you start first with God. It's important you start first with what God has already told you to do. Now, uh, this, this first language is going to get expanded a little bit, and so we'll, we'll come down a little bit into verse 13 of the same chapter, verse 26, or chapter 26. Watch this. Then you shall, before the Lord your God, then you shall say, before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house. Get this. So he's removed it from the house, and now he's going to take it somewhere. And also given to the Levites, the, the strangers, the fatherless, the widows. So he's helping people. According to all of your commandments which you have commanded me, I have not, look at this, I have not transgressed against your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. He says in verse 14, I have not eaten any of it when in mourning. In other words, in tough times I'm not gobbling up your tithe. Nor have I removed any of the unclean, any of, for any, man, I can't read this morning, guys. Help me. Somebody pray for me in Jesus' name. It's like, nor have I removed any of it for an unclean use. In other words, I haven't used your offering, your tithe for sinful things. Nor have I given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed your voice of the I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God, and I have done according to all of your commandments that you've given me, right? And then look, here's the prayer you can pray. With me? Watch here. Look down from your holy habitation. Look down from heaven. You see this language? Look down from heaven and bless your people, Israel, and the land which you have given us, just as you swore to our fathers, a land of milk and honey. Woo! Yeah, that's the prayer you get to pray when you do it the right way. 
It's important. That's the prayer. Because, see, God wants that. God wants that kind of relationship. And so here's the thing. Here's the thing. I know I've probably, some of you are like, okay, I got it. I proved it. But here's one. I'll just go a step further. Imagine, okay, the Old Testament isn't good enough for you. Imagine if Jesus said it. I mean, would you trust that, right? Because that's what people always say. Well, did Jesus say that, right? Did he say that? Mm -hmm. Because we're always looking for an out. We're always looking for a way out. You know, it's like, wait a second. Yeah. So let me see if I can come up with something, do some theological gymnastics to get out of this thing, right? And so, so what if Jesus, would you do it? I mean, if I just asked, would you do it? If, if Jesus told you to do it, would you do it? I mean, that's a good question, isn't it? Of course, you're like, yeah, Jesus said. It's good. I mean, I don't know about that God in the Old Testament, but Jesus, I mean, he died for my sins. I should do it. And so, so here, Matthew 23, 23, put it in your mind, okay? Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, and he calls them hypocrites. God, I love when Jesus calls people hypocrites. Because we always think of Jesus as just soft and cuddly. Jesus would turn over some tables. I'm just telling you, especially when there was lawlessness or when people were being harmed. But he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And then he says, for you pay tithes of mint and anise. You guys are junior hires, man. I swear I'm talking to junior hires today. Anus, anus, anus. Anise? Oh, aren't you guys smart? <laughs> I'm going to, I swear in the next service, I'm going to keep saying it because it's going to just, I, I can't pronounce it. But anyway, it's a spice. So you pay the tithe of these spices. Cumin, I got that one. And then look at this. And have neglected the weightier matters of the law. And he says, justice, mercy, and faith. Now you're like, okay, what is it? what's Jesus getting at? Well, look at this. He says, these you ought to have done. So we're like, okay. So he's saying, okay, so that you should have done that, right? And you may be thinking, well, hold on. Is he saying that I should do what the old stuff says? Yeah. Like his whole point, you're like, wait a second. I don't, I don't know what you're saying. I mean, he was, he was, he, he's, he's actually reiterating the law. I mean, he's saying that this is important, that you do that. Because I think sometimes we, we want out. We, we don't think Jesus has said it. And, and what we see is that he says, you ought to have done these things. Of course you should have done these things. But the point of what Jesus is trying to make is that you forgot some of these other things. And these other things matter to God. Justice, mercy, and faith. And so he's not just throwing out the old. huh? He's not doing that. He's, he's, he's saying, yes, you ought to have done that. And then he goes a step further. He says, without leaving the others undone. So, so it's a package deal. He's saying, yes, do this, do this and do that. But don't forget justice, mercy, and faith. Because those things are important to what God is about. And so he's not just subtracting. He's adding so that we might see what God is really about. Then in Hebrews 7, 8, I love this. Hebrews 7, 8, if you've ever read the book of Hebrews, this is a powerful verse, but watch this. It says, here mortal men receive tithes, but there, but there he receives them. 
Mortal men get them, right? They, mortal men receive it. But then it says that he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. You're like, what does that mean, right? I read that. I was like, I have no idea. That's like a little too King Jamesy for me, right? But let me break it down for you, all right? Let me just break it down. Here it is in a nutshell. We put our tithe in a box, okay, or a bucket that comes by. Mortal man or woman takes that tithe out of the bucket. And what does it say? That God receives it. Get this. So the point is, is that, that we pull it out of the bucket, but it actually goes to God, which in turn breaks the curse, and the curse leads to our blessing, and the blessing leads to a testimony that God is who he says he is, and that he will protect his stuff, and that he will bless his people, and that he will be the source of his people. That's what he's saying. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That when you give, it literally gets to God and God says, boom. And it leads to you being able to stand in front of the whole world and say, man, I'm so joyful. Even though I'm going through hard things, God is with me. God has been faithful. God is blessing me. And I don't know if you can say that. But the point is, is that God wants us to be able to say that because it's proof to the world when God follows through on a promise. Let me say that again. Because I feel like I said that and no one's heard me. Walls, you hear that? Amen, Walls. Because I think I just said that it's proof to the world. It's proof to the world. You want to you enhance your witness? Get this right. Get this right. So that you can be a testimony to the things of God. But see, God will protect it. I love the fact that when a Christian lives in God's economy, in the midst of another economy, that it's different. Because it draws people's attention. I'm just telling you, it does. Okay, finally, I'll end with this. All right? So it's biblical. Tithing. Tithing is a blessing. Tithing is a blessing. It's something that we have to understand. I want to read something in 2 Chronicles 31.4. You guys stay with me. This is really good. Second Chronicles 31.4. Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute for the priests and the Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. So you see what's happening. Hezekiah uh, is writing this down and he's saying, hey, uh, he noticed that the nation of Israel was no longer tithing. And he says, wait a second. Wait a second. We're, this is a problem. We're living under a curse, and we've got to start doing this right, okay? That's what's happening. So come down a little bit to verse 5, same chapter. He says, as soon as the commandment was uh, circulated, I love this. This is, guys, this is amazing. Watch what happens. As soon as that commandment was circulated, and it was a commandment by Hezekiah, you guys are going to do this, is what he says, okay? He says, the children of Israel brought in abundance the what? First fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and all the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe 
of everything. And the children of Israel and Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of holy things which were consecrated to the Lord their God. They laid in heaps. In the third month they began to lay them in heaps, and they finished in the seventh month. Now what does that mean? It, those are harvest months, okay? So they're harvesting this tithe. And then in verse 8, and then and when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps, do you hear that word? Isn't that a good word? Heaps. That's like a big pile, right? A big pile. They're bringing all this stuff. It says, then Hezekiah questioned the priest. This is important because he's like, wait a second. All these people are giving all their stuff. He's like, are they okay? Are they doing okay? I mean, he's a good pastor. He knows. He's like, he's checking in. I mean, they're high. there's piles everywhere. Are the people okay? Are the people okay? So he asked the priests and the Levites concerning those heaps. And then he says in verse 10, And Ezra, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said this. Look at this. Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty left. For the Lord has what? blessed his people and what is left is a great abundance do you notice it never says that when you tithe that you're just going to be getting by you know what i mean it just doesn't it's not it's it's just not there now i'm not saying that you want to have lean years or tough times or maybe months that are horrible financially i'm not saying that but you're always better off with 90% blessed than 100% that's cursed. And the thing that I've learned about tithers and non-tithers is that when I talk to tithers, they testify, and this is what they say, I'm so blessed. But when I talk to non-tithers, what I get is I can't afford to tithe. And that's the bondage that we live in. See, there's a way that seems right to men that isn't from God. And that's why we have to live under His Word because sometimes it doesn't always make sense. Like It doesn't always make sense. And that's what's great about our Lord is that He is above those things. And He has the ability to do some amazing things in it. Oh, man, I'm a little over. So, what shall I do? All right, so imagine you go out for a nice meal, right? Everybody going out for a nice meal. Pick the restaurant you want to go to. You go out for a nice meal. It's a really good meal. And once you get done, you're like so satisfied. You're like, that was a great meal, right? And then you get up from the table and you walk out of the restaurant and leave without paying. Oh, scandalous. <laughs> right? Right? So the Bible says that the tithe supplies the food for the house. Making sense? And so in our church, we have some amazing people, very generous people. And so I think that we do a pretty good job of supplying the house with food. And so when you come to the church, when you come to Elevation, I assume you get some food. It's good for you. And you're like, wow, I want to come back. I, that was good. I want to keep eating some of that, right? You see where I'm going with this? And so often in our lives, we come and we eat the food, but we walk out the door and we never do anything. We skip out. And I know that that's hard for you to hear. And that's kind of that, that point. But guys, we have to see what's real. If we just consume and we never contribute, are we becoming more like God? No, we're not. 
And it's important that we understand that when we look at the Bible, when we look at what God is all about and what He's doing, He wants us to be that. And so here's the thing. As you get heavy here for a second, I want to say to you, you can take that lid off. Like the Bible is very clear that you can take that lid off your life. And I hope today as I'm preaching, because again, I'm not preaching because we need money. I'm not preaching. I'm preaching because I'm your pastor and I care about you. And I want you to be the best you can possibly be. And this is one of the major steps you need to take so that you can be the person that God wants you to be. All right. I can't share this last part. All right. Let me, uh, let me pray for us and then we'll be done. God, I thank you so much. I thank you that you are true to your word. I thank you that when we tithe, you break the curse. God, I ask that you would help each one of us to step into that. Father, I pray right now for each person in the room that whatever it is you're speaking, that they would be able to receive it. So just ask yourself this question. Just, just kind of ask yourself, Holy Spirit, what are, you, what are you showing me? Holy Spirit, what are you asking me to do? Holy Spirit, what, what is it that you want me to see? That's it. Just for a moment, think on that. God, I pray that whatever you're saying, whatever you're doing, that it would be clear. And that those that want to hear and those that want to see would be able to right now. Our hearts are open to you. We need to hear from you. Father, I pray for those in the room that are making decisions about their finances. They're making decisions about how they're going to honor you in that area. I pray, God, that you would work in their hearts, that you would provide a way, that you would bless them, that the windows of heaven would open and the blessings of God would be poured out and that the curse would be broken. And so Jesus came was sent by God, because again, God gave him, right? And it was on that cross, as he lived and he's, as he walked among us, he eventually ended up on that cross. And that was where he restored our relationship with God. And it's there on that cross that we see God's generosity, God's love, and you know, honestly, I don't know if everybody in this room has experienced that. And so I wonder if you've never taken that step of faith, that even trying to get this revelation or this word around giving, it's hard because you just don't have that relationship. It's hard to receive it. And I just, I just want to say to you, Jesus gave everything for you, and all you have to do is receive it. And so, today, I want to give you that opportunity. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that He is Lord and Savior, that He'd come in and he would, he would transform you, save you, set you free, bless you in ways that you can't imagine. 
And so right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask you today, if, if you're in a place where you haven't secured that relationship, you haven't stepped out in faith and said, yes, God, I want that, I just want to give you that opportunity. So right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I just want to ask you, on the count of three, if you wouldn't mind, take a step of faith and raise up your hand. Nobody's going to point you out. We're not going to have you come down front, but I do want to give you that opportunity. And so right now, on the count of three, just, just raise your hand up so I can see it. I want to pray for you. One, two, three. Go ahead. Just raise that hand up in Jesus' name. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. God bless you. Good job. Good job, guys. Anybody else? Go ahead and put your hands down. Uh, anybody else? I don't want to move too quick. It's your day you, if you want it. All right. Church, we're all going to pray together for those that raise their hands because, again, everybody, uh, we want to just make sure no one's praying alone in here, okay? And so we're just all going to pray together. And so if you raised your hand or if you're sitting in this room, just repeat this after me. Lord Jesus, I need you. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you set me free? I accept you as my Savior and my Lord. And I surrender myself to you. Change me from the inside out. Transform me. Give me a future and a hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, can we celebrate those that are making decisions today? It's so good.